I hope you uh, week in and week out appreciate the uh, worship that we are led in here at Calvary. Um, we're very blessed. We're very blessed. And I'm, I'm thankful. And our prayer is every week is that the Lord is blessed. That when, when we worship that he looks down from heaven and he sees you worshiping. And uh, he sees us worshiping. And, and then he is pleased. Um, open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 6. Just one verse of scripture. We're going to enjoy in a little while the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And I want to... Uh, I want to speak to you just a little bit about it <clears throat> and what it means, and then we'll enjoy the elements together. It's one of the great reminders that the Lord left us of our redemption, of what it cost, of how much He loved us. It's also a reminder to us as a body that collectively, as we partake of these elements today, I want to encourage you to do this. As the elements are passed around We are the body of Christ, and I want you to look around a little bit. Not, not just look around and, and at the people around you and say, Wow, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're, he died for us. We're connected. I believe that you're part of the body of Christ. Don't look too long. It'll be creepy, but <laughs> just a little bit. But seriously, to look around and say, Wow, isn't it good to be part of a body of Christ? There was a man... Years and years ago, uh, named John Bowring. John Bowring was a great hymn writer, a poet, really, better at writing poetry. And then people took a lot of his poems about the Lord and put them to music. He was uh, off the south coast of China once on a ship sailing, and big storm came up, and they had a uh, had the ship wrecked. He was literally hanging onto a piece of wood floating and just knowing he was going down, knowing he was drowning and figuring that this was the last breath he would ever take. He, he, he tells of the story and he came up to the top and when he came up to the top, he saw up on a cliff, it's really there today, it was the remains of an old uh, Portuguese settlement <clears throat> near Macau. Still a big wall there, and there's still a big huge bronze cross up on top of the hill. He come, comes up and he says, when I came up, Knowing I was going down for the last time, I saw through a break in the clouds a, that bronze cross. And he said, God spoke to me at that moment through the, seeing that cross, and I knew that he was going to save me, and I knew that I would live. I had no hope. I saw the cross, and I had hope. I think in one sense the cross must have been that way to the Apostle Paul. In Galatians, Paul is writing to a church that he had founded. It has now, he's founded a church. He would typically spend a year, two years, three years with a church, and then he would move on and start another church. Now they're struggling because false teachers have come in. And here's what these false teachers were saying. Basically, Jesus isn't enough. Sure, he's the Messiah. Sure, he died for our sins, but the cross isn't enough. You've got to do certain things. You've got to behave a certain way. You've got to keep the law. So they were coming in and teaching the false, the, the erroneous teaching, that it was Jesus plus keeping of the law. This upset Paul incredibly. A church he had founded, he risked his life to it. I read through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 today, his sufferings. Unbelievable. Five times, five times he says, I received 
39 stripes with a whip for preaching the gospel. Five times, think of it. Most of us couldn't stand one real whipping. Five times. He was shipwrecked twice. He said, I spent a day and a night floating around in the dark ocean. I mean, in hungers and, and dangers from the Jewish guys and danger from the Gentiles. And he just talks about freezing. And, 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 and Paul loved the Galatians and all that he had gone through to teach them the gospel. And now somebody's teaching them heresy. So what Paul is having to do is to counteract those false teachers He's had to kind of state some of his own credentials, right? They say they are of the truth, but let me tell you why I am of the truth. And it sounds like almost, if you're not careful, and I think Paul knew this, if he wasn't careful, it might sound like he was bragging, boasting in Paul. So he comes along near the end of the book, in the book of Galatians, and he says in verse 14, but God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we sing about the wonderful cross and things like that. The cross wasn't so wonderful for Jesus, I can promise you that. It's wonderful for us because of the one who died on the cross. The physical cross itself was not something that Paul was enamored with. It was not those blood-soaked beams of wood that was raised on Calvary that had so gripped his heart. It's, notice his words. I always say it, the Bible is a book of words and you have to read every word. He said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, if you understand the historical context, a cross was nothing to brag about. A cross was grossly offensive. It would be like us as a church saying, the only thing we brag about is uh, the chamber where they give lethal executions. The electric chair, a gas chamber, firing squad, something like that. That's exactly what it was. It was gross. The cross, to be mentioning a cross, was grossly offensive to the three major uh, cultures in Paul's day. To the Romans, uh, it, was, it was just a method, the most agonizing method they could ever conceive. They gained it from the Assyrians and refined it to an art of how to make a person suffer for treason against the Roman Empire. And uh, Cicero was one of their orators, and he wrote it, I quote, Even the weir, uh, mere word cross must remain far, not only from the lips of the citizens of Rome, but also from their thoughts, their eyes, and their ears. You know, if you were a Roman citizen, you couldn't be crucified. Uh, Paul got killed for preaching the gospel eventually, but how he was executed. But because he was a Roman citizen, how did they execute it? They, they chopped his head off. They beheaded him by sword on, on the Appian Way. And that was supposed to be much more, and was, much more humane of a method of uh, execution than death by a cross. A Roman citizen couldn't even be, it was so gross. They said, if you're a Roman citizen, we won't do that to you. 
it was also repulsive to the Jews. In the Old Testament, the Bible says this, He who is hanged on a tree is cursed of God. To the Greeks and their culture, the preaching of the cross, Paul says, was foolishness. It was absolutely nonsense. The Greek philosophical mind could not understand how somebody could die on a cross as a, you know, as a criminal would die as a, in, a, in a form of execution and then save someone else from their sins. It didn't make any sense to them. And, and I just want to say, That the cross, though it is not something we like to talk about, and it's not something that we, it's not a happy theme, the cross is necessary for, very, for, for the even existence of, of Christianity. If you don't understand the fact that God sent his own son to be executed, to pour out his blood, to die in our place, for, uh, so that we could go to heaven if we would trust in his death on the cross. And if that's, and, and you know, and that that is God's only way. But incidentally, doesn't it make sense that if the cross, if there were any other way that God would have just said, take this other way? Uh, you got a son? Do you have a son? I have a son. And you can believe that if someone said it was going to take his life for you or all of humanity to be saved... Uh, and I said, is there another way? If they said, well, yeah, he could just do this religion, or yeah, he could follow the, they could follow this religion, I'd say, then my son's not going to the cross. The cross is so agonizing, it's so serious, it's so bloody, it's so violent, that, that for God to let his son be put on a cross, if there were other ways that you and I could get to heaven, then Calvary was the blunder of the ages. Yet I am amazed how many pastors fail to preach the cross today. Fail to mention the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, oh, it's too, it's too unkind. No, I, I think it's kind to talk about the way that people can be saved. I'll tell you what burdens me. It's not the worry that I'm going to offend someone. The burden to me in my heart, as an evangelist-type heart that I have, is that every year in the state of North Carolina, 93,000 people die and go into eternity. Most of them die without ever hearing that Jesus made a way by the cross so they could be saved. I tell you what breaks my heart and spurs me on to evangelism is that 6,005 people annually die in Mecklenburg County on our watch. And I think the cruel thing is not to go out and tell them about the cross. The cruel thing is, is if we don't. Yet I want you to watch about two and a half minutes of some video that just will sicken you. It should because it's of a very prominent pastor. Uh, very, very famous, as he has asked the simple question, what happens if people don't believe in Jesus? I just want you to see this, not to critique this individual, but for you to understand the mindset out there that so many people just reject the cross of Christ as the only way to heaven. Just watch it for a few minutes. I think you'll be shocked. Uh, we've had ministers on who said, your record don't count. You either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, 
you are you are going to heaven and if you yeah. don't no matter what you've done in your life yeah. you ain't yeah it's i don't know it's, there's probably a, a balance between i believe you have to know christ but i think that if you know christ if you're a believer in god you're going to have some good works and i think it's a cop-out to say well i'm a christian but i don't ever do anything to help what if you're jewish or muslim and you don't accept christ at all you know, I, I just, I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to oh. I don't know. I think only God. Because you believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe they're, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, people? I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father, and, you know, I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't mm. know. I'd have to, you know, I've seen their sincerity, so... I don't know. I just, I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But Phoenix, Arizona, hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. Thank and you. thank you, Joe, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So that's what you was not going to happen. No, I. I, I well, no, here's my thing, Larry. Is I can't judge somebody's heart. You know, I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart, and so I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm but not going to be the believe God. your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But For someone who doesn't share it, well, it is wrong. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone? No, but I... About atheists? No, I just, you know what, I let... I let someone. Let, I'm gonna let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just again, I present the truth, and I say it every week. You know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I'm not gonna go around telling everybody else if if they don't want to believe that. That's gonna be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. God's got to look at your heart, and only God knows that. Wow, wow. Now I know that's some years ago, and I don't think in all my years of watching Larry King when he was doing interviews, I don't think I ever saw him try to help bail a man out more than he did. Uh, there you have Larry King trying, trying almost in one sense. Now the the question in the first point was was phrased something like this: you know, suppose a person doesn't believe in Jesus, and they they've been a good Jew, or they've been a you know. A, good Muslim all their life and practice that but they never accept Jesus you're not one of those preachers who's going to tell them that they're going to go to hell just because they don't know Jesus right first of all the correct answer is this the correct answer is this Larry it doesn't matter what I believe or what I say Jesus Christ himself said in John 14 6 I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so it doesn't really matter what I say. It matters what Jesus says. If you have a problem with what Jesus says, Larry, you need to take it up with Jesus. I mean, let Jesus own the problem. Jesus did make the statement, didn't he, in John 14, 6, I am the way, not a way, not a nice way, not one of many ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, Jesus said that. That's historical record. If Jesus said that and it is true, then Jesus is the only way to the Father, right? Now, if Jesus said that and it is not true, 
then Jesus can't be a way to the Father because Jesus was lying. If Jesus said that, and it's not true, then I wouldn't trust him as a way to the Father, would you? If he's telling lies, but if it is true, then I trust him, and so I trust Jesus, right? I trust that Jesus, when it comes down to it, I am hinging my eternity on the fact that Jesus Christ told the truth when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And so every Jew, every Gentile in the world has to face this issue. Who is Jesus? Is there, are you going to believe, listen, are you going to believe Jesus? Or are you going to believe Joel? It's a great question. I could have played clips from any number of televangelists that are out there today. These guys don't know basic Orthodox Christian, Christian theology. That is something that every Christian that is three months old ought to be able to answer that question. That's as plain as the nose on your faith. All you got to do is read your Bible and you'll know it. It's, there's, there is no, I don't know, you know, I don't want, no, I think what's unkind, I don't want to be unkind, I don't want to be the person, I don't want to be unkind either, that's why I think we need to honestly go around and say, Jesus died for you, he is the only way to heaven, you must be saved, you must be saved, 93,000 people in our state will die this year, most of them will go to hell for all eternity, largely because we haven't wanted to offend them. Largely because we haven't wanted to risk offending them. And we haven't told the truth. When it came to the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was very, very clear. When I came to you, he says, I made nothing known except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Incidentally, Peter the apostle did the same thing. There is no other name given under heaven by men whereby we must be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other, Peter said, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the cross is the centerpiece of our redemption. And I want to take a few moments to talk about why we should preach the cross, why we should teach the cross. And why we should reach people for the salvation that comes only through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I go back to it. It is not the physical piece of wood that I'm talking about. It is not the cross that made Christ special. It was Christ who made the cross special. Dr. Harry Reimer, great Christian scholar, was also a scientist. He was lecturing once in one of his classes. And he allowed a class member to ask some questions, a student, and a young Jewish man very honestly, very sincerely stood up and said, Dr. Reimer, could you tell me please what Jesus Christ did that no one else ever did? Dr. Reimer said, well, son, I, I know that I understand you're from a Jewish background. Is that correct? He said, yes, sir. He said, I assume that you know the early history of your people and your prophets, and you know their cultural history where Titus and Pilate, I think he said, and Roman emperors uh, crucified some 30,000 young Jewish men. By the way, were you aware that that many young Jewish men were crucified? Over 30,000? In fact, the Romans stripped Israel of almost every tree there. And they had to go up into the, the forests of Lebanon. <coughs> there was a whole industry 
selling wood just to make crosses because they ran out of trees to make them out of. They killed so many thousands of people on a cross. It was unbelievable. In the Jewish nation, 30,000 people. And that Jewish young man stood up and said, Sir, what I understand it to be is that it's over 30,000. Why is Jesus Christ so popular among them? Dr. Rimmer looked back at him and said, Well, I'm going to name one of those Jewish men who died on a cross. And I want you to name one. I name Jesus Christ. Now, young man, you name one of the other 30,000 whom they crucified. The man honestly said, Dr. Rimmer, I don't know the name of another one. Now, do you know why? Do you know why that we remember one name when we can't even Remember, even one of the other 29,999 young Jewish men who were crucified, it's because Jesus Christ was not just another young Jewish man who was crucified. Jesus Christ was the very Son of God, the Lord of all glory, the one who divides A.D. from B.C., and the one who was crucified in our place was buried and was raised again. He's the very Son of God who died for our sins. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ turned the cross from a symbol of guilt and shame into a symbol of glory. He transformed something as nasty and horrendous and evil as a cross, a form of execution, into, into a picture of our salvation. It is the Christ on the cross. That's so wonderful. That's why Paul, as I've said so many times, the Bible is a, is a book of words and you have to slow down and read every word. Paul doesn't say, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross. He doesn't stop there. That would have been inadequate. He says what? God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about those three words. I said them slow and intentionally. The cross of the Lord, he calls it. it. That speaks of Jesus' sovereign authority. Do you understand how contradictory that sounds? The cross of the Lord. Lord, kurios, a term that was used for God Almighty, Yahweh. The cross, the execution of the Lord. This was the Lord hanging on the cross. This was the one who created everything, our sovereign God. This is our master. This is our Lord. And what is he doing on the cross? Dying for us. Paul not only says the cross of the Lord, he says the cross of the Lord whom? Jesus. Uh, the cross speaks not only of his sovereign authority that he's Lord, it speaks of his saving ability. The name Jesus, this is the cross of one named Jesus. The New Testament name Jesus is the same as the Old Testament name Joshua, Yeshua. And it means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. In fact, when the, when the angel came and told Joseph, he said, and you shall call him Jesus or Joshua. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Every other person, think about it, crucified in history, was crucified as a sinner. 
Only Jesus was crucified as a Savior. But his cross also speaks of his sufficient authority. If you think of the title Lord, Jesus was his name, Christ was a title. Jesus was his name, Christ is a title. What does Christ mean? It means the Messiah, the Anointed One. And my friend, I want to tell you something. All the way from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which we call the Proto-Evangelum, the, the first mention of the Gospel in the Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through to the last book of the Bible, here's what the Bible is really saying. There's a God who loves you. He created this world but this world rebelled and fell into sin, but there is a Redeemer coming. There is a Redeemer coming. There is a Savior coming. There is one who has sufficient authority to save. There is one who has sufficient authenticity. Who is, and all through the ages the question was, who's the Messiah? Do you also know that there were some 3,000 people? in the area of Palestine during the time of Jesus, earthly ministry who were claiming to be Jesus, claiming to be the Messiah. Let me tell you the difference in all the rest of them and Jesus. Only one of them got up out of the grave. Only one of them was resurrected from the dead. All the rest of them are still in the grave. One of them was resurrected. Incidentally, just so you know, the Bible is not the only, and it is a reliable historical record, but the Bible is not the only reliable historical record that speaks of this man named Jesus who came, who claimed to be born of a virgin, who walked around, who did miracles and healed the blind and gave sight to the blind and healed the lame and, and cured leprosy uh, and then was crucified by the Roman authorities and was buried on the third day rose because there are secular historians. Josephus, uh, Josephus Flavius is one. Tacitus, a Roman historian who was very hostile to Christianity, says this one Jesus did these things. People called him Lord and we could not disprove that he was raised from the dead. That's what made this cross different. This was the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the promised and long-awaited Messiah. We are to glory in the person who died on the cross. And by the way, this was God's only plan to save mankind. It was His only plan then. It is His only plan today. If there were any other way to be saved, God in his word somewhere would say it. Just keep the Ten Commandments, you'll be saved. Follow any religion out there, you'll be saved. I, I, and people say, well, I can't be, I don't want to be unkind and tell people their religion is false. Oh, so you just let them go on to hell. Because that's really kind. Now, I don't advocate that you go out of here and just punch everybody right in the nose with that but 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 I do say that you ought to love them and we ought to love them enough to say hey how can we verify which way is the safe way which way is the true way which way is the which way are the claims of Jesus you see everybody stakes their eternity on something the buddhist is staking his eternity on the claims of buddha and the religion that as he 
put it forth. The, the Hindu is, uh, is largely trusting in the way of the Vedas and the things that are released and uh, that have been revealed to them through what they call their holy scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, whatever, any number of sacred texts as they would call them. The, the Muslims uh, are trusting the claims of Islam and the prophet Muhammad. Now what I want to know is, and I'm, in fact, I'm staking my soul on the claims of Jesus Christ. What I want to know is who's lying and who's telling the truth. And you ought to want to know that too. It's unkind. It's unkind that we let people perish and we never risk telling them the truth. If there were other ways God and His Word, don't you honestly think would say, Oh, you want the road to heaven? Just choose any road you want. It doesn't matter as long as you're sincere problem with that is you can be sincerely wrong you can be sincerely very sincere and be wrong God's only plan to save mankind was through the offering of his son the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah as an offering for our sins he would die in our place that if we would trust in him alone we can be saved listen to me you need to hear me say this as lovingly as I can there is no way out of hell and there is no other way into heaven except through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the great truths that communion should remind us of as we observe it in the church. When we come and we partake in a moment, of, of we, we'll open these up. And in one, we have small pieces of bread. They represent the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken on the cross so that we could have forgiveness. When we take these small cups and they have unfermented grape juice in them, represents his blood that was poured out. It's not his blood, but it represents the blood, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed in order that we might be saved. And I tell you, this is why the Lord left us this symbol so that we could remember the high, tremendous cost of our salvation. The bread and the juice also remind us when we take them together as a church family that we are his people, that we were lost, we were undeserving, but by his grace, God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. We've been redeemed by his blood, and we need to take the message of his forgiveness, the true message of it, to the ends of the earth. Now before we partake, I want to remind you of just a couple of things. When we come to the table, we call it the table. When we come to the table and these elements, you may come with sins because all of us sin, right? You may come and partake of the table with sin in your life because we all have sin in our life. Who among us could say, boy, I've conducted myself perfect this week. None of us. But while you can come with your sin, you should not come to the table if you are still in your sins. Say, so what do you mean? What's the difference? Well, the difference is this. Every single person, Christian or non, sins. Christians aren't perfect by a long shot. You know that if you've known one more than five minutes. But we are forgiven 
A Christian is a person who has come to a point in his or her life who has said, I've got sin in my life. I am still in my sins, and I don't want to die in my sins. So, Lord, I believe you died for me, and I'm trusting your death on the cross is my only hope for heaven. And I ask you to forgive me and save me. My only hope for heaven is that Jesus died for me. But before we do that, the Bible says we're not only, we not only have sins in our lives, the Bible says we are, we are still in our sins. What I mean by that is a person, maybe like you, maybe like I was at one time, that we haven't come to Jesus and just confessed, Lord, I'm, I need a Savior. I want you to save me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me and become Lord of my life, and I trust you as my Savior. You're my only hope for heaven. The Bible says that communion really is for those who have done that. Those who have said, Lord, I have no hope for heaven except you. So, in saying that, there should be several responses. Number one, if you're still in your sins, that is, you've never accepted Christ, today would be a great time to do that. Because if you'd come to him, you know what he'll do? Just like he forgave me, and just like he forgave every one of us, he, he'll forgive you. Man, he doesn't want to punish you. He died for you, so he doesn't have to punish you. He'll save you. Um, maybe, though, if you have questions and you're not ready, Christianity's kind of new to you, and you'd like to check out the claims of Jesus, I say, good, go for it. And I say, if that's the case and you're not ready, there is no shame in letting the elements pass right on by you. In fact, there's no shame in letting the elements pass by you if you're a believer and you're engaged in some type of horrific sin now or you're mad at another brother and sister in the body. Maybe you just aren't speaking to them right now. There have been times that I've been so frustrated. And to be honest with you, one time I let it pass, I had treated my wife so bad on a Sunday morning. You ought to be a preacher. It's hard to come in here and act spiritual sometimes on a Sunday morning. I look around at the people that are ministering, and they know what I'm talking about. I get the little smirks. They're like, yeah, I know what you're talking It is. There have been times where I've said, God, I'm just mad. I'm not really ready to give up on that point with her yet. I'll let it go right on past me. Because you know why? These elements are never for perfect people because there are no perfect people. Amen? But there should be such an awe and I guess a respect for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the perfect one that he is, that we're at least willing to be forgiving, forgiven or forgiving toward others before we partake of these elements. So look, look at me. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians when he discusses. He says, let a man, let a woman examine themselves and then let them partake. He doesn't say examine yourself and boy, if you examine yourself, don't partake. No, he says, if you examine yourself, He's assuming that you will see your own sinfulness, that you will ask for forgiveness, 
and then you'll partake. So let's take just a moment. Let's kind of own up to where we are. Have you been saved? Have you acknowledged Jesus Christ's death as your only hope for heaven? Let's bow our heads together. If not, pray this prayer right now. I encourage you to. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I am in my sins. And I don't want to be. I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. Lord, I ask you to forgive me and save me. Please save me right now. I believe you died to pay for my sins. And I believe you're alive. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and save me right now. And then every one of us here could pray a prayer like this, like this next one. Lord, because of my own actions, I am not worthy of the body and blood of the Lord. But you have made me worthy through Christ alone. Lord, I confess my sinfulness to you today. And I ask for a fresh cleansing right now. Please forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. With all the respect, Lord, that I can muster. I want to thank you for the body and blood of your Son. I have no other claim to heaven than this. Jesus died for me. Amen. I'm going to get our deacons who are serving this morning to come forward, if you would. And we'll prepare to uh, dispense the elements to people. So first, men, we're going to dispense the, uh, the bread. Represents his body. Broken, you know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was going to be crucified. The next day, we're told that in the upper room with his closest disciples, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he said... Uh, he broke the bread and then he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I pass these out. You go ahead and distribute men and I'll, I'll get everybody on the stage here.
to pray with me and then let's partake. Lord Jesus, thank you for being willing to have uh, your body broken that we that ours might be mended. We thank you, Lord, that your stripes on the cross meant that we could be healed spiritually forever. Thank you for Father, for the body of your Son offered for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible also says that after Jesus took the bread and broke it, He took the cup and he passed it around and he said that the cup, this is unfermented grape juice and uh, that it, the fruit of the vine represented the new covenant that was going to be uh, established by his blood. And he said, as often as you do this and as often as you drink it, you do this in a remembrance of me. And then the Apostle Paul says, For as often as you do that, you show the Lord's death, i.e. you look back, you show the Lord's death until he what? 
comes. So there's a look back in there. We remember what he did. But every time we partake of this cup, we're not only saying we believe Jesus died in the past. We say we believe what? He's coming back. And he is coming back. He is definitely coming back. So go ahead if you would and distribute that, gentlemen, and then we'll uh, partake of the cup also. His blood, represented by this cup, poured out for you. 
can you, uh, sometimes that is just hard for me to imagine that he would die for me. I definitely got the better part of the deal. And so did you, amen? amen. How much he must love us. How great is his love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. But what about him? He laid down his life for his enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I invite you today, if you've been redeemed, to rejoice in the fact that you are loved with an infinite love. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for the picture that you left for us in the cup and the bread. Thank you for your love to us, Lord. Thank you for rescuing us when we were helpless and there was no way for us to ever earn our way into your grace. No way home for us to get to heaven. You made one. Lord, help us to be true to that. Help us, God, to get the message out to our community. Help us to risk sharing our faith with someone we love this week. Maybe someone we don't even know. Help us to be tactful. Help us to be gracious. Because, God, you rescued us. We dare not be proud. But you did come and you did seek and save that which was lost. Help us to go out and do the same. Thank you again for your redemption. And I ask you to bless these people. And may these people leave here today, me included, and me leading the way. May we be the church of Jesus Christ at Calvary Baptist Church of Charlotte. May we go out into our community and spread in a loving way the good news that Jesus, and only Jesus, saves. We love you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just have a great week. Be bold for Jesus. God bless you.